my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Howdy, hey, and hello there. Welcome to another episode of Weird Finance, where we try to help you feel a little less weird about money, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Paco DeLeon, and on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Marsha Barnes. Reaching your financial goals requires two types of intelligence. Financial literacy is the first type, and this includes knowledge on how your current spending and savings impact your long-term goals, and other things like how credit, debt, interest rates, and compounding work. Understanding these concepts alone can change how you think about money and the decisions you make with your money. The other type of intelligence necessary for reaching financial goals and really any goals in your life is self-knowledge. Because when you know yourself, you understand what motivates you or you can spot all the ways that you might get in your own way. Knowing yourself, for example, can help you understand your triggers so you don't fall victim to them. This week, I spoke with Marsha Barnes, personal finance expert and founder of the Finance Bar Members Club. Marsha stands on the belief that financial wellness should not be considered a luxury, and she helps folks reach financial wellness through both access to education and financial literacy, as well as through encouraging folks to explore their emotions around money through tools like financial therapy. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Marsha Barnes. 
Marsha Barnes, it is a joy. It is a pleasure. It is a delight to have you here on the Weird Finance Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. So you created the Finance Bar in 2014, and it began as mobile financial literacy. So instead of a brick and mortar, you bought an old school bus and you worked out of it. And what I read was the reason why you wanted to make it mobile was because you wanted to reach folks in communities that typically didn't have access to financial education or advice, like senior communities, shelters for women and the unhoused. And so here is my very first, very hard question right out of the gate, Marsha. Was Mm -hmm. your hypothesis correct? And were you able to reach these people by bringing financial literacy, advice, and education to them? Yeah, so, so to just back up just a little, my goal wasn't really to work out of the bus because once the finance bar bus was created, we also had an office space. Now, it wasn't a brick and mortar, but we had an office that we all worked out of. The purpose of the finance bar bus was to be able to speak with women that may have been in shelters with their children. It was also in senior communities. But at the very top of that list, the purpose of the bus, which is why it went so well, was to travel around to different schools, specifically high schools, high schools, college campuses, anywhere that young adults may be hanging out at, because I knew I'm number one, I'm based in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Banks are everywhere here, but what was missing was no financial education in our school system. At the time when the finance bar uh, bus was created, my son was in high school. So it was very important for me to identify ways not only to connect with him, but to also connect with connect with his peers. My hypothesis about it was correct. However, where I was wrong was, in my mind, I envisioned being able to go to these schools, sit there during the day as as students would transition, maybe between like lunch or maybe they had business classes or economic classes. I could partner with their teachers and they could come out. Well, what I found out was in the state of North Carolina or in most states, there has to be a certain amount of minutes in each of their classes that they attend. So then the bus has to like it has to be inserted into a class they already have. So say, for instance, I can work with business students for maybe 45 minutes, an economics class for maybe 30 minutes. So that was correct. An area that I have not been able to tap into yet has been women's shelters. The reason why that's so important is many of these women come from like domestic violence situations. There is a lot of privacy around organizations like that. Now, while they can come on the bus, and not necessarily that they can't, but many of them have very small children. So it's important to protect them. Like someone can just come on the bus, they're on there, then that's really a bad situation. I have been able to serve them in other types of areas though, in underserved areas. So the goal for the bus was solved. Over the course of the finance bar, I've had many invitations for individuals, banks specifically, to buy the bus. And I never wanted that to to happen because what's very important for me, and I'm sure we may talk about this more, is that I do not leave to the back burner why I started the finance bar. So yes, my hypothesis was correct. And what's unfortunate in this state is that that was, like you said, back in 20. 2014, 2015, 2016 timeframe, the same problems exist. So it's very important that the bus stay out there to be able to reach those areas. 
Okay, so I'm really glad that you brought up this issue that the same problems still exist, right? So I've been working for myself for seven years now. And Mm -hmm. every year that passes, especially the last three, I'm completely flabbergasted with how the economy and how the world is shifting and changing. Mm -hmm. So my first question for you about this is, from a financial and economic standpoint, do you think that there's any more uncertainty today than when there was when you started close to 10 years ago? Or is this more of like a common theme that every generation is dealing with? I think it's a common theme that every generation deals with at some point. But I will say over the last 10 years, I don't recall a pandemic. (laughs) The pandemic made everything feel as if we just came to a complete start. You know, it's, it's interesting that you asked that question because I was just thinking about this the other day to myself. It's almost like I want to say, I don't know about you, but for me, I often feel like, do I even count the last two to three years of business? Right. Like, I don't know that it was like realistic what happened. So I think that every generation deals with it and deals with a different level of uncertainty throughout their life. I just think it's a repeated cycle. Right. But what's important is because we know that, because we know that, we know that there can always be something around the corner. Like 2008, like recession, housing recession, things happen. Then there's a pandemic and it's like, oh, the world is coming to an end. So like that was our thing and other generations. So we know that further down the road, something else can happen. So I definitely believe it's just a cycle. Right. And if we're paying attention, we could just do better at trying our best to prepare as much as possible. Okay. So since you mentioned the pandemic basically changed everything, right? I watched I watched my peers change their advice. I watched them say, yeah, you know, three to six months emergency fund is is great to during the pandemic saying, well, actually 12 months, which mm-hmm. for even me, for somebody who thinks about money all day, helps people with their money, is good with their money after all these years, right? That still feels painful. So I want to know throughout your tenure in financial services, and especially with what's happened over the last few years, Mm -hmm. how has your approach to helping clients changed given the fact that healthcare costs are rising and same with education and housing? Yeah. So in the very beginning, let's just talk about the bus one, one more moment, okay? The bus served a certain demographic. Let's think younger younger students, younger adults, or individuals that may have been economically deprived. So maybe they didn't make enough money. We started out with the bus being a 501c3 because that was a way for us to be able to get grant money. We may not have to charge. We are no longer a 501c3 at all. As the, you know, the more we were out there, the more companies wanted to pay, the more colleges wanted to pay. That is a certain demographic of individuals. Now we focus more on clients that need financial therapy. What I identified in the very beginning to answer your question is we weren't working with individuals that mostly had challenges with earning money. The challenge was they didn't really know how to manage their money. So at the first offset of meeting them in the beginning stages, the goal was to just get them, like you mentioned a moment ago, managing money well in the present In the present, managing money well. How that has shifted for us now is that not only are we thinking about how to manage your money today, we're looking down the road of how you need to be planning and managing your money and then keeping your emotions intact as you do that. I love that. I want to jump into this financial therapy piece a bit. But before that, I want to touch on your banking experience. 
because you worked for 15 years in foreclosure and bankruptcy. And Mm -hmm. as the listeners may know, I, my very first job in the quote unquote financial services industry was as a debt collector. So I Mm -hmm. think you and I have some overlap in what our experience was and how we interacted with consumers. So I wanted to know how has that experience, particularly in foreclosure and bankruptcy, and then you moved on to, I know, education, but how has that shaped what your mission is, why you created the finance bar, and like how you work with clients and think about the content that you're creating? Yeah, so my experience in foreclosure and bankruptcy is when I was in leadership at the bank. Our teams were responsible for signing foreclosure and bankruptcy documents to send homes into foreclosure or bankruptcy, okay? That began to shape me very early on because I know so many people that work really hard hard to purchase a home, but because of things like layoffs or illness, something just happens, maybe they lose a spouse, they lose something they work so very hard for. Then I transitioned over into learning and development. And in learning and development, my position was to train individuals that when they came in to work for the bank of how to do this job, that shaped me because every single day I witnessed like documents just being signed and, you know, quality quality control being done on them and then sent to attorney offices to foreclose or bankrupt on somebody's home. And that was very sad for me. But also during this time, my mom was laid off from a job that she had been with over 20 years. My stepdad was laid off from his job. My best friend was laid off from her job. But also, guess what? One day I was on lunch break. We were breaking from a class that I was teaching for learning and development. And I came out on the floor. I opened the door to our classroom that I was teaching and I came out on the floor. And there was an entire department being laid off at the bank. And my first thought in my head was, what will they do? Like, what will they do to earn money? Like quickly, sure, maybe unemployment, but how will they replace their income if they're not prepared? So I remember thinking that then it was the impacts of my mom. My mom has always been super frugal. Whether she earned a lot of money or not, she's going to the sale rack. It doesn't matter for her. So I watched her navigate her layoff to where, yes, it was an inconvenience for her, but it was not an emergency. And it felt good to see her in that way. So that somewhat triggered me and I became in love and infatuated with the world of personal finance and preparing individuals so that they wouldn't fall into anxiety and depression about their money. So that's how and why I really started. It was like my desire to prepare people, my love for teaching, and then I combined that all together. And then my banking experience, I always say that I didn't really leave the bank. I just pivoted in the world of finance to do something different. Totally. Have you heard of this concept of an upriver solution? The, the story goes, it's a weird and kind of a morbid story, everybody, sorry, but you know, you're standing on the bank of a river and somebody who's drowning comes around the bend and we both jump in and we save this person, we pull them out and we feel so great about saving this drowning person. And we're sitting there panting on the edge of the riverbed and 10 minutes later, another drowning person comes, we jump in, we save them. Yeah. 10 minutes later, another person comes And we jump in and save them. And ultimately, I think, you know, after jumping in and saving people, you have to ask yourself, what's going on upriver? And can we head up there? What's happening? Exactly. And so, yeah, I think a lot of of your motivations and what you experience, and same with me as well, just having to talk to people in that that distressed 
state. And for Mm -hmm. me, it was when I was, you know, I was only maybe 19, 20 years old. And I'm talking to people who are two, three, four times my age. Sometimes I'm talking to, you know, a grandparent who co-signed with their grandson's auto loan. And I remember educating them about how co-signing works and responsibilities about, you know, of who who will still owe, you know, even if you're own, quote unquote only a, a co-signer. And that just yeah. made me recognize and realize, man, there's a lot of people out there who don't get this information given to them, one, in school or two. It feels like it's not for them, right? It's presented that's in it. a way that's exclusionary or just it doesn't appeal to them. So like you, I felt very called to just, you know, share everything I've learned and, and give it in a very approachable way. So I appreciate you taking that banking experience mm-hmm. and, you know, instead of continuing on to be a corporate drone <laughs> using your <laughs> your knowledge and your experience for good and to make the world yeah. a, bit of, a bit of a better place by doing that. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So yeah. you published a podcast episode about increasing earning potential. And mm-hmm. I, again, I think I see parallels to how you've operated and how I've operated in the world when it comes to this. So mm-hmm. you've mentioned before that you wish that you'd focus on earning more earlier in career. <laughs> Same with yeah. me. Because mm-hmm. ultimately when you earn more, right, that's kind of an upriver solution, right? It's a problem it. that eliminates a lot of other problems. So yeah. can you just talk a little bit about your own journey in earning more over the years? Like what were some setbacks on the path? And what are some of the things you wish you knew sooner when it comes to earning more? So what I wish I knew sooner is that the title... I should have concerned myself with the title last. I think at in the banking industry or finance industry, there's just this fascination of just rising up the corporate ladder. The the more you're the longer you're there, you become like supervisor, manager, VP, president, director. So I think early on being younger, I was more infatuated with the title and not what I was earning. I was performing really well, in my opinion. And so my barrier was not knowing the importance of how to negotiate for myself, the more I would raise up the ranks and not necessarily not knowing how to, I just don't think I paid attention to it. I felt like if I got a a new title, like, great, that that was like a celebration. Well, it wasn't. (laughs) And so when I transferred from being in leadership over to learning and development, I couldn't get like a pay bump because I was already at the highest I could go. So it was kind of like a lateral move. So if I moved, then it was just because, okay, well, you, you're just going to, you're lo- going to love being and learning in development because you're definitely not going to go get more money. Mm-hmm. So that was a roadblock for me. So for anyone that's tuning in or that will be listening, then less concerned about what your title is, more concerned about doing a great job and negotiating for yourself for a better salary. For me, that was definitely a setback when I look back now. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. 
Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Gosh, everyone seems to be worried about the economy these days. All over the news, there's talk of inflation, rising interest rates, and layoffs. Well, Jack, before you panic, it's important to remember that it's natural for our economy moves in cycles. We'll have periods of economic growth or booms, followed by periods of decline or busts. It's a bit like being on a roller coaster. So it's normal for the economy to experience good times and bad times, which means it's normal for us to feel optimistic and pessimistic sometimes? Yes, exactly. Hmm, that's good to know, Jill. Is there anything we can do to prepare for the downturns? Save during the good times and be cautious with your spending during the tough times. Invest no matter what and make sure you have an emergency fund. When times are good, don't be too tempted to spend it all. Save and invest to ensure you're prepared to weather any economic storm. Thanks for these tips, Jill. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. Weird Finance. Weird I want to dig in a little bit on both the roadblock and the negotiation. So I, I never negotiated any of my pay. No. <laughs> Anytime an employer offered me pay, I felt grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for a seat at the table. So if, if anyone is feeling that way, they're scared to, <laughs> to cause not, waves, right? They're scared to be confrontational. Yeah. They're scared to maybe have something that's offered to them taken away what are some of the mm-hmm. steps these folks can take so that they feel more comfortable negotiating and so that they will actually negotiate when the time comes? Yeah, I think what's important is when you're going through the process process of getting a new job 
even as with even if it's with your current employer, is to ask them what the compensation strategy is. Sometimes it's not just the pay. For many companies, they're only they can only give you a certain percentage. There are metrics, you know, just like a, a personal budget, companies work by budget too, or an annual operation expense spreadsheet. So there are, I feel like there are still limits that and we need to recognize that in this conversation. However, I think that it's also important, especially now, just to ask, what is the compensation strategy? Like, are there other like pluses that have value, like financial value? For example, do you offer discounts for therapy? Do you offer discounts for specific daycares? Many times this is like franchise daycares, but is there a discount? Do you offer discount for any type of health and wellness options to work from home, three days off for free for just personal brain space to do things? Ask that question. Like there are so many other options now available and even health insurance. I don't think that we take into account when we work for a company, like how many pluses there are into our insurance packages. So when times come where it's like open enrollment, we just kind of like go past, okay, well, do you have a pet? Well, this company offers a discount on pet insurance or a discount at certain veterinarians. So ask the question, what is the compensation strategy? Well, they may say, well, what do you mean by that? What else can be offered in my compensation beyond just this pay? You know, therapy is important to me. Do you offer discounts anywhere? Are there any cell phone plans that you have that, for, or providers that offer a discount? All of these, while they may in some cases be able to give you more money, if that's not the case, they may offer other things that you that you haven't been taking and taking advantage of if you are already with the company. But if you're not with the company, ask them what other opportunities there are um, for you to be able to offset some of your monthly expenses. That's so important. That's such wonderful advice. And I feel like I've taken that for granted because I worked at the bank like you. And the mm-hmm. bank does a really good job of actually taking care of their employees. Yes, I agree. One of the big reasons why I didn't have any student loan debt was because there was a tuition reimbursement program. As long Same. as I took like qualified you know, business yeah. courses and I got B's, then they would reimburse me for my tuition. I mm-hmm. got all bank holidays sick pay. The other thing that you didn't mention, that's basically free money, especially if you're working for a big corporate overlord, is the 401k match. If they're oh my gonna, goodness, yes. If they're going to give you free money yeah. for your retirement, you know, you might not think about that and how that impacts mm-hmm. your current situation because you're not using that money to pay rent or buy groceries. But, you know, mm-hmm. in the long run, that really does make a big difference. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Very insightful. Yeah. And- Yeah. And I also think like to your point, you mentioned that you didn't take advantage of it. And there are so many times I didn't either. But for anyone tuning in, I think what's really important is when we go into jobs for many of us, well, if not most of us, then our goal is to get the check. And once we start making money, it's kind of like, oh, everything is up to to the past. I'll go get my own cell phone provider. Right. I'll get a therapist or maybe not. I don't care about pet insurance until this day. And we just don't think about it. So I think what's important in our conversation is to identify the importance. Take a pause. You know, they're like and that's why I don't know for you, but also for me, why this business is so important, because there are key times during the year we hear about finances end of year. So it's like New Year resolution, your birthday is like, oh, let me do better with my money. Financial literacy month, August financial awareness day. 
then like insurance awareness, like certain little times during the month. And we just don't keep it at the forefront of our lives. So to your point, and it happened to me too, you just don't think about it, but it's like, listen, right? Like each month, writing your calendar, check in with my finances, check in what my employer offers me takes less than probably like an hour and just get it done. That's what's important is to make time to identify what other options are available to you from your employer. Yeah, absolutely. What you focus on expands, right? So if you give your finances space and care and energy, then that part of your life will be nurtured mm-hmm. and you will you will be able to to benefit from it. All right. That's the, it. the other thing you mentioned when it comes to er, you know increasing your earning potential was the roadblock of basically the employer saying, this is the budget, this is the cap, there's no way to move forward. And I felt a similar roadblock before I left and worked for myself. I'm gonna admit this here. It was much more emotionally driven. I was I just felt like this company looked at me and didn't value me, right? I think wow. we all have internalized yeah. ideas about women, about women of color, about queer people, mm-hmm. and what position they deserve to be in and what they what pay they deserve. It's very yeah. clear that this is a, a real issue because of the, of the pay gap, the wage gap, and the wealth gap. That's correct. Yes. So when what what did you do when you saw that roadblock? Was that did that impact your decision to leave too? Or yeah. did you, how did you find your way around that basically? Yeah, I left. That okay. was, that was the way. Because once I realized that working for, I knew that banks had caps. I know that most large corporations have caps. So, you know, many people say that you can't get wealthy from working for another company. I don't believe that's the case. There are many, many wealthy people that have that work for companies. But what I did know is that I don't want to get wealthy in the future. I don't want, and I don't care about like being wealthy right now. I don't care about being rich right now. But what I do care about is that when I go to work at this level, this level of education, the time that I have spent doing this work, that when I work 40 hours a week or 80 hours or more bi-weekly when I get paid, I want to be able to take care of my family. I don't want to just take care of my family. I want to be able to save money. I want to be able to invest and prepare for the future. There's wealth talk again, right? I want for us to be able to plan and go on vacations. Everything that most humans just simply deserve if we work 40 plus hours a week, especially if you've worked so hard to get there. So I knew that just wasn't going to happen. So while I could get wealthy in the future and keep moving up the ranks, my saving grace was to go try to do something differently. And I didn't even know when I started the finance bar what money I would be earning. I just knew I had a better chance of having a flexible schedule and being able to go out there to earn money on my own. That was the, my way around it. And I know that sounds you know, challenging for many people to say, well, I, just, I can't just pick up from my job. I thought the exact same way because I have a I have a kid. And as I told you before, when I started, my son was in high school and then he was headed to college. So I don't believe that maybe people can't just stop. But I do think that once you realize wealth gaps for women of color, there there are wealth gaps and the list goes on and on. And then you said for the queer community, there are gaps. And I don't even know if this wealth gap will be fixed in our lifetime. I think that what we have to realize is working our way around that gap to be able to save ourselves. That's what's imp- that's what I think is really important. 
is you have to know at some point it's time for us to say, guess what, everyone? We're just going to have to save ourselves because this might not change while we're alive. I appreciate that sentiment and that philosophy because while we are both saving ourselves and save yourself, we're working in our best interest, the work that we're putting out still impacts people, you know? So mm-hmm. I think there's plenty of ways that you can put yourself first. And, you know, the analogy is always put the mask, right? When the airplane is going down, put the mask on your face yeah. first so that you can help others. And even if it's, you know, just not just, but even if it's working within your community, helping somebody within your community. Yes. You know, there's definitely ways that you can make an impact, even even in a time where everything feels uncertain and there's so, so much outside of our control. Okay, so I'm so curious because, you know, you went from <laughs> banking to financial literacy, and now you are basically, you're helping people with financial therapy. So your career has gone from a 501c3, and it's clear that you value financial literacy, right? Because you're working with yeah. Secret, Secret, the deodorant company, on a multi-year mm-hmm. financial empowerment initiative that aims to provide a whopping 1 million young women with access to in-depth financial courses and training resources. So it's very clear the way you talk, the things that you're invested in, the programs that you're involved in. Financial mm-hmm. literacy really, really is important. But you've shifted over the years and you've started to yeah. focus on emotions and you are mm-hmm. now a, a licensed financial therapist. So. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about what drove that decision and some of the things that you've learned as you started to shift your focus to the emotions? Yeah, I think the, I think the biggest um, difference is financial literacy teaches you the basics of how to manage money, how to do a budget, how to manage debt. And in some cases, maybe at a lower level, how to invest, how to save. What it does not teach you is the emotions and psychology around managing your money. Let's use me for an example. I'll tell you a very short story. When I first started working with the bank at a lower level, when I lower level and then I became a supervisor, when I became a supervisor, I just knew that I made a lot of money. I did not like pennies, to be honest. And I wanted the first purchase that I said that I was going to make was a BMW. And I, I remember my mom telling me, she's like, Marsha, you don't make BMW money. And I'm like, I'm like now my mom is trying to be a hater. But guess what? She was so right. It wasn't like, I didn't realize like there's a like luxury car payment, luxury car maintenance and everything that goes along with it. But guess what was, what was missing from me? The emotional part of that said, okay, Marsha, you know how to do like budgets and do these different things. You know how to navigate money. But where I was torn emotionally is remembering when I was much younger, well, not much younger, in my preteens, my parents got divorced. When my parents got divorced, my brother and I went to live with my mom. She's now a single single parent trying to raise us. We're both in junior high, headed to high school soon. But I remember wanting like a Barbie car when I was young. And I never got the Barbie car. So there were a lot of things that I couldn't get because she was a single parent, like graduation pictures, prom, like you can't get this dress, but you can get this dress. Like just the little things that I wanted, I couldn't get. So when I began to make decent money, not great money, okay, I wanted that BMW because for me, that was the Barbie car I was never able to get as a kid. And it made me sad. And I was like, well, guess what, mom? Now I can go buy my own little luxury car and drive around in it. So that was emotional for me. It had nothing to do with how much money I earned or financial literacy or knowing how to like 
budget, debt, do any of these things. It had everything to do with my emotions. So over time at the finance bar, what we learned that every client we work with, and I do mean every client, there was something about them or their financial situation that they were earning decent money, some very good money, and they just did not have any type of financial plan. They got money, they spent money. So as we start uncovering situations with them, we learned some came from domestic domestic violence situations with some of their exes. Some, they had to give money to their parents growing up. They didn't really have a childhood. They started working early. So when I realized that, I said, I'm never going to truly help people with their finances by only teaching them how to do a budget and these kind of like little things that show them that because we're not clearing their brain. We have to clear what's going on internally first before we can start like out outwardly success financially, which is why I believe that the financial empowerment initiative with secret deodorant is so important is not just the fact that they're providing free financial resources to 1 million young women. It is the specific resources. So for me, it was for my offering is the Finance Bar Members Club. Well, if they're able to join the Finance Bar Members Club for free, they have more tools to teach them about how to balance their emotions with money. Then they offer books, courses around budgeting. So I like to think of it as like what Secret Deodorant is providing is like a little swag bag. And in your swag bag, you have all different types of financial resources. You pick and choose what you need out of it. So they're not out here saying, let us just teach you how to save. Let us teach you how to prepare for college. What they are committed to is empowering women with first the access to the information, but understanding that so many women, you and I just discussed this, are multi-layered. We come from different backgrounds. We need different things and different information to be financially successful. And that is why. And But on top of that, I would say the reason why that initiative is also important is that it wasn't just a one year initiative. It's a multi year initiative. And I'm sure you would agree with this. When it comes to the world of personal finance, one year just doesn't do it for you. You need time. You need a lot of time to be able to make adjustments. And a year goes by quickly. You can Google information about personal finance online all day. But I think when you have a core group of individuals that are focused on specific things and you're providing access to that information to these young women for free very early on in their life, it's going to make such a huge difference for them. Absolutely. Yeah. One year is no time at all, Marsha, because I am no time. I'm still unpacking yes. my emotions around money. And, you know, the thing I've learned talking to a lot of people, a lot of different therapists, right? They're their job yeah. is to help people heal. And the thing that they've taught me is healing is a spiral. It's a, you know, you have this theme of whatever it is mm-hmm. you're trying to, to to comfort within yourself, the wound that you're trying to heal. And you get met with yeah. it at different times in your life, at different layers mm. where there's more stakes. And, you know, just when I thought I, you know, talked to a therapist about it or did a healing meditation or had a breakthrough in my journal, you know, six months will pass. And something will pop up in my inbox where I have to exercise boundaries or tell, yeah. you know, speak up for for my for my deservingness and my worth. And I'm just like, really, mm-hmm. this this is still the theme of my yeah. personal finance journey. But I think the sooner you accept it, and the sooner you recognize that this is something that you're going to have to do. Right? Life is challenging. It's full of problems. It's full of setbacks. It is. And you just have to when you once you accept that and you realize that like that's the hero's journey that we're all on then mm-hmm. you know you can find the right people, whether it's me or you or me and you to help educate you and to cheer you on 
as you're making your way through this very complicated, uncertain, thrilling, thrilling time here on planet Earth, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> 100%. And I love that you mentioned the importance of just accepting it because this is where all of us are. Our journeys would like take, there's peaks and there's valleys and there will always be peaks and there will always be val- uh, valleys. So finances for me is also something that I truly believe like financial wellness and the health of your finances doesn't go away. It's not as if you have the tools and now it's different for you. Like different stages in your life require different financial information and different action that you will have to take place. And the best that we can do is knowing how to handle each of those seasons throughout our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Marsha, before I let you go, I want to hit you with some of these rapid fire personal finance questions. Okay, let's do it. So tell me, is there anything you've purchased that maybe other people might think are is frivolous, but for you is money well spent? On my bed, I have a mattress lift. And it's a lift. You know how hospital beds can like lift? They can rise you up or bring your legs up. For me, that was worth the money. The reason why is because of my back and my and my legs, and it helps. And I know the difference because if I stay anywhere else, let's say a hotel and the bed is just flat, I ate that next morning. So that was one that I would say definitely worth the money. Marsha, you and I are even more similar than <laughs> I imagined because my frivolous purchase is also, it's not a mattress lift, but it's a mattress pad that will cool you. See? Yeah, it's just... <laughs> It's important. I can't do good. I can't be out here serving the community if I didn't get quality sleep. You know what I'm saying? You sure can't. You sure can't. (laughs) Love it. Put your mask on first. Exactly. (laughs) What's one piece of advice, financial or otherwise, that you'd give to your younger self? Don't follow the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. Like do your do your own thing. Don't follow the crowd. It's so overrated. You you somewhat become the same as everyone else. Your decisions are like others. You just become a robot. Yeah. Like follow who you are at your core. I'm telling you, it's, it feels it's freeing. It feels freeing. Mm-hmm. Just don't follow the crowd. You can have similarities, but definitely don't follow it. I think that's a hard one for a lot of people and for a lot of yes, reasons. Yes, it is. Especially yeah. like with social media, right? There's so much to compare ourselves to. Yeah. Is there something practical you think people can do to start like listening to their inner voice, their inner intuition to be who they want to be and not, you know, follow along? So I think that it's important first to acknowledge the reason why it's hard for so many people, because we want to belong. When you don't belong, you feel like the outcast. Who wants to feel like the outcast? So that is normal. The danger in that is that you never get to become you. Mm. So I think an easy task for people to start doing is write down, who am I? What do I like? Do I like a BMW or did I just think that it gave me status? I really just think that it gave me status, Marsha. What you really preferred was to have the finance bar bus so you can serve communities. And that felt really good to you. That's what you wanted. Well, maybe your friends don't want that, Marsha. Maybe they still enjoy working at the bank. That's great for them. That's that's not for you anymore. You don't have to lose those friends, Marsha. You just have different professions. So I think when we just kind of just create like either a list in our head or just jotting it down to write down who am I? It helps us because it helps us pull back our very own onion. Mm. And when we can pull back our, back our own onion, it's not that we don't belong. We just belong into our own inner self of who we truly are. Many times we just want to belong because we want the other things that other people have. Yeah. For no other reason. For no other reason. It's just to belong in a core group of people to say that we have a core group of friends that we talk to. You and I didn't meet before today. We have now learned that we have many similarities. 
So it's okay to explore. It's okay to explore your individual life. Comfort feels good. Yeah. Being with others feels good, but it's so important to identify who you truly are at the core. Okay, I co-sign on that. I also want to say it's cheap and it's easy and it's quick to buy something to make you feel like you belong. But oh, the, goodness, yeah. you know, digging into the shit, that's harder. Mm-hmm. But it's it, harder. It pays dividends. Yeah. It pays dividends in the short term and long term. Big time. Yeah. Thanks for that insight, Marsha. All right, a couple more. Okay. Did you have any financial superstitions growing up? It wasn't really a superstition. I remember my mom always saying, like, don't, like, always pick up pennies. Like, don't just walk over money. I think that's a superstition. So I pick up the pennies (laughs) (laughs) and put them in my bank. (laughs) Last one for you is, do you have any financial fumbles that you can look back on and laugh at? Yeah, that BMW. Yeah. Did you get it? I did get it. Okay. I get it. And I I regret it so bad because it was like my mom tried to tell me. (laughs) Like she wasn't being a hater. She was trying to teach me. Like, you idiot, Marsha. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't your time for that yet. And that's okay. So I call it a fumble because it goes to what your the previous question that you had for me. That was Marsha trying to belong where I thought that people in leadership at the bank were supposed to be Mm -hmm. at that time. So that was me trying to belong. Yeah. And I just, so now looking back, I laugh at it because it's like, you wouldn't dare do that now. Not at all. (laughs) I'm comfortable with who I am now. Amen to that, Marsha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure and a joy chatting with you, chopping it up, you know, learning your story and helping the folks make progress on their financial lives. Marsha, for everybody who is now a fanboy or fangirl, non-binary person that wants to follow along, yeah, tell us where on the World Wide Web can we find you? Well, website, thefinancebar.com, every social media channel, The Finance Bar. And before we close out, I want to make sure that for free financial resources for anyone to connect at the link, go get what you need. And if you don't need it, share it with someone else. Amazing. Thank you so much, Marsha. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. And now it's time to ask Paco anything. Welcome to Ask Paco, a segment where I answer your money questions. Let's listen to this week's question. All right, for this week's segment, Ask Paco Anything, we have Sarah Kay writing in from San Diego. Sarah Kay writes, Hi, Paco. I got married last year and I'm very happy. But finances. I'm 44 years old and my husband is 57. He's divorced and came out of the divorce with all his kids' student loan slash parent plus loan debt and very little in the way of assets. I'd never been married and had saved a lot, which we used a good portion of as a down payment on our ridiculously expensive two-bedroom, one-bath cottage in San Diego. I've always worried about money because we were poor growing up. Parents filed for bankruptcy when I was a teenager, divorced, and my sister and I moved in with my grandparents. Now I fear financial catastrophe at every turn. Having to start from scratch with my husband in middle age with student loan debt is scary. What do we do? We're looking for a trustworthy financial advisor, but everyone wants to sell us something. Well, Lindsay, there's actually a lot of good news here. So first of all, you're able to afford a house in Southern California, which is really no easy feat. And you saved up quite a considerable amount of money. So First, let's look at the mortgage. When you have a mortgage, you are in a forced savings plan, basically, and because of that, the mortgage mechanism. And so the downside of owning a home is that a lot of your net worth is in your home and it's not liquid. And the sale price of your home is going to be determined by the market. Selling a house is costly. Uh, it takes a lot of time and energy and money. So that's a downside. But Overall, most people who buy real estate, that is a way that they build wealth. And it's because even though that they're paying interest, even though they're paying a mortgage, ultimately a mortgage is like a forced savings mechanism. The other thing is you've been able to build up a lot of savings on your own. And now you are married. So I'm assuming now you have two incomes. So you should be able to realize some economies of scale, like in your household in general, it is cheaper for two people to live together and afford groceries and live their lives than it is for a single person. And so now in theory, you have two people with two incomes working towards saving and investing instead of one. So that's some more good news. The other thing I want to mention is if it is possible to live off of one income and invest and save the other, that would put you in a really good financial position even after a handful of years. So look at your finances, look at how much you're spending and really determine whether or not that's possible. If it's not, I completely understand. I mean, you live in Southern California and you have a mortgage. But if you can orient your perspective in that way, thinking like, how can we as much as possible live off of one income and as much as possible, you know, 
put the lion's share of the other income into investments, that's going to put you in a really good position. I'd also say, given your, your financial history and your personal history of, you know, experiencing bankruptcy with your parents, having to move in with your grandparents, I think it's really important to find some ways, some tools that allow you to work through your moments of scarcity and your moments of worry because you're fearing financial catastrophe at every turn. But from, from the outside, from my perspective, you know, even though you're not feeling as flush with cash as you were, and you know, you're marrying somebody who has some debt, you're still in a pretty good position. And so understanding that you are not in a state of absolute financial scarcity and you are more most likely not in a moment of financial catastrophe, being able to like, you know, it's really silly, take a deep breath and tell yourself that you're safe. That can really help when you're stuck in those moments of worry. So as much as we can address the practical, I do think it's important to take some moments and find ways to help you address the emotional side of your finances. Lastly, uh, you can find a financial advisor that doesn't want to sell you anything. Um, and therefore, they're not incentivized to, you know, find products so that they can make a commission. These kinds of advisors are called fee-only financial advisors. And the good thing about these kinds of financial advisors is that all fee-only financial advisors are fiduciaries. This means they have to act in your best interest. Why are there financial advisors out there that are not fiduciaries is frustrating to me. They should all be, but that's not the reality that we're living in. So it's important to understand that. And it's important to then seek out fee, a fee-only financial advisor who is a fiduciary. The platform that I always recommend for finding fee-only advisors is the XY Planning Network. I will drop a link in the show notes for you, but you can also just go to connect.xyplanningnetwork.com and you should be able to start to do some research to find a financial advisor. You can you know, find a local one or put in a keyword, find a specialty and all of the advisors on this network are fee only, so they will not be incentivized by selling you products. If you have a question you want me to answer, please call our hotline at 833-ASK-PACO, or you can email us at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Weird Finance. If you like the show, please express that like by giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out a lot. And if you'd like to receive even more content from me, you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Nerd Letter. Each week, I'll send you a short email of things I've read and recommend. Sign up for it at thehellyagroup.com. Here we are at the end of another episode of Weird Finance, an iHeartMedia production, and just would not be possible without the help of many wonderful, caring, hardworking, and talented folks like my producer, Ramsey Yunt. He produced, edited, did some sound design, and he even sang a little bit on this episode. If you'd like to ask me a question, drop me a line at 1833-ASK-PACO or send me an email at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. Thank you to my friends Bill Bittner and Ariel Lazarus for lending your voices for this week's PSA. Our theme song was written and performed by me and my dear, dear friends, Jenna Parker and Andrew Parker. If you have any comments, questions about money, suggestions, or you want to be a part of the show, give us a call at 833-ASK-PACO. That's 833-275-7226. Or send us an email at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. That's it. We'll catch you here next week. In the meantime, take care.
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.